Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Before we begin, let me tell you quickly about the 2021 Toyota 4Runner Trail Special Edition. This beauty comes with 17-inch dark gray alloy wheels, a Yakima Load Warrior cargo basket, a premium accessory cooler with tie-down straps, and so much more. Stop by Peterson Toyota today for a test drive. Peterson Toyota is the largest dealership in northern Colorado, and they've been doing it for 50 years. They have the best selection at the best prices, and their staff will help you find the car or truck that is right for you. Stop in and ask for my man, General Manager Mike Kroos, who is a CSU alum, diehard fan, and a great partner to RamNation.com. He and his top-notch staff are going to take care of you. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to Ram Nation Radio. We are all picking up ourselves off the mat this week after the Rams failed to earn an NCAA bid on Sunday. Sitting on my couch watching that again was a little reminiscent of the 2015 selection show, but uh, I know during that show, I don't think I, I or I don't know if you guys did, but have any doubt that we were going to make that field back in 2015. So that was a huge shock. Uh, this past Sunday was a little more perilous, and it turns out we did not get in. Um, yeah, it's true that the Rams... Didn't really help themselves and get the win that they needed that would probably have sealed a bid either on the road at Nevada in the regular season finale or uh, against Nemesis Utah State in the Mount West semifinals. But uh, you just kind of hope that CSU was due for a break. It was a team that really kind of deserved that kind of break this this year. And uh, when you look at some of the other bubble teams that got in over the Rams, that's kind of what irks me. So what were your emotions, guys, as you were watching that selection show? Again, we've talked about this plenty of times. You and I did the hour-long radio show on Mile High Sports uh, right before Selection Sunday in 2015. That was a gut punch. This, you know, honestly, the way the NCAA has done this over the last six years, it was expected, and it sucks. It's one of those, I don't think the Nevada game played into it. I think if we win that, and lose Utah State, we still don't get in. The tournament has been set up. I mean, um, the AD at at, uh, Kentucky, who was the head of the uh, committee, flat out came out and said that Michigan State got in because the Michigan State name was going to bring fans, was going to bring eyes on the the TV. And that's why they got in, even though they're 25 spots lower in the NET, uh, than we are. UCLA played horrible down the stretch. They're in. You know, I watched I watched a lot of uh, Wisconsin basketball this year. They're not a good team. I honestly think the top four or five Mountain West teams are better than five through ten in the Big Ten. But we can't ever prove that. And it sucks. And our resume, two quad one wins on the road, is better than so many of these other teams that got in. And it's, it's just, it's frustrating. And, you know, it, what do you do? I mean, you, unless you are San Diego state, you have to win the conference tournament. If we beat, if we beat Utah state, then you know what? They're not in. And that's not right. And it's, it just isn't right. 
I don't know what, what we can do. And you, you take ESPN and Joe Lenardi, who called us a winner, who called us a winner in the, in the bubble watch because we were a first alternate. That's, that's winning for a Mountain West team. You know, it's, it's heartbreaking. It, it sucks. You know, you look at the, the Pac-12, who's not a better conference from top to bottom than the Mountain West is from top to bottom. They get five in. Their, their conference champion lost to our eighth best team in, in the Mountain West. And, you know, it, it, it's heartbreaking. And, you know, you just always kind of wonder, like, what, what, what can we do? One of the things is like, well, they didn't play anybody out of conference. How, we couldn't. No one could. That's the thing. It's, it's, it's like no one could. I don't – the NCAA selection committee keeps moving, moving the goalposts. Those goalposts are on wheels, and they just keep sliding them over and over just to get the teams that they want. I personally think it's time that we go to 128 teams in the tournament. That way they can have all their named teams. You can get your 12 of 14 Big Ten teams in there. You know, you can get your SEC teams in there, your Big East teams in there. And then you can get these other teams like like a CSU, even a Boise State, who deserve to be in the in the tournament. Hey, um, I, I'm a, I, I'm with Mike in a lot of a lot of things. Um, I uh, will differ with him in one thing. I actually think we would have gotten in had we bit beaten uh, beaten Nevada. I think uh, it, it looked to me like we really needed to win two of our last three. Um, we beat Fresno in the first round of the. Uh, the Mountain West tournament, but we had lost in Nevada before that, which I think made the uh, Utah State game uh, an absolute must win. Um, it was going to be close no matter what uh, after we lost uh, to Nevada. If we had won that Nevada game, I uh, we were good. We were going to be in. We were going to be a net of about 40 instead of 50. And uh, and if you look at that game and how close, how close is it you know, you hear you hear coaches preach uh, every possession being important. The tournament basically depended on a CSU miss with 12 seconds to go and a Grant Sherfield make with a second to go. Right. And you go <laughs> flip flop that CSU is in the tournament and you want to talk about, you know, by the skin of your teeth, getting in or not getting in. I would argue that that last uh, 15 seconds of Nevada was pretty much, believe it or not, the whole season. It's that it's that crazy. Um, obviously, you don't want it to come down to that fine a margin, but un unfortunately, that's the way it is when you're not uh, when you're not uh, in a big conference playing uh, 15 quad one games and getting a chance to to win five of them, and you get into the tournament, and you lose ten of them. Uh, CSU has very limited uh, uh, limited margin for error. Um, Mike was talking about, you know, quad one wins and road wins. Um, there was a, I'm trying to, I can't remember the, uh, there is one, uh, one of the sources that uh, NCAA uses beyond net ranking um, had CSU in comfortably as a 10 seed. And they are re a very results-based uh, group. They don't do a lot of analytics that say, if you lose, but you lose good, that's great. Now they're all based on winning. And CSU had, believe it or not, in the entire tournament, the third best win of anybody. And that was that road win at San Diego State. Gonzaga had a great win, and I can't remember who the other one was, but CSU had 
the third best win of any team in the tournament, according to his, this guy's model. That ought to tell you, you know, and I think that was probably what, what disappointed everybody more than anything else is the undervaluing of a couple of great road wins, something that uh, basically no one in the Mountain West delivered other than CSU. Even now, San Diego State didn't do that. So, um, but in the end, it, it's tough. We're on the edge. Um, I was kind of 50 50. Uh, and obviously, I was very disappointed right out of the shoot during the TV broadcast when they put Drake and Wichita State up there because that was our game. That Drake Wichita State game that you should have seen CSU right off the bat in that. Uh, that play-in game. Well, that's the one that I have the biggest gripe with. I mean, you look at Wichita State, and if not for their recent history, you know, I don't think that they had a resume any better than us. I mean, you look at their, they were 16 and five, their net ranking of 71, they're 20 spots lower. Obviously that's not the only metric that's looked at, but uh, in quad one and two games, they were four and four. We were what, three and five, uh, three and six. Uh, they were 10 and one in quad three and four games um, like CSU. They were on the bubble uh, and they also lost in the semifinals. They lost to a number five seed in Cincinnati. Um, you know, they had one pretty good win uh, Houston at home. Uh, that was their feather in their cap. But, you know, we went on the road to San Diego state in one went on the road to Utah state in one uh, both of those quad one wins were on the road. Um, you know, they had six of their last nine games canceled of their season, eight of their final 15, something like that. So um, they miss key opponents down the stretch, Memphis, SMU, Cincy, uh, because of those cancellations. And somehow they got the benefit of the doubt. And that's what's really frustrating. You had some other, you know, Mike mentioned UCLA that lost the final four games. Uh, they got the benefit of the doubt because of their name and because of their conference affiliation, which is crap. Uh, their conference is not that much better than the Mount West uh, head to toe. And then Syracuse was another one that was a little questionable. Um, they come from the ACC. Syracuse was very questionable, Joel. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're, they're also was Michigan State. Michigan State yeah. is a whole, is not a good team. They're just not. So and for them to get in to be, to be the last team in, basically, just oh. Yeah, I, I'd like. I, I'd like, I had very little problem with UCLA, by the way. If you looked at UCLA's resume, it was virtually identical to CSU in terms of quad one, quad two wins and being clean in quad three and quad four, virtually identical. I had no problem with UCLA. I had a real problem with Syracuse. One quad win, one quad one win, seven losses. It was at home. Syracuse is always a front-loaded home schedule team. They don't do crap on the road. And they keep on getting rewarded year after year after year. And quite frankly, it's an embarrassment to me that Syracuse made the tournament. Yeah. And, and you listen to uh, you could tell how disappointed Nico was. You know, we we were on that call, Steve, four hours after the, the selection show happened. And you could tell you could tell he was still pretty down and, and he wouldn't he didn't want to talk about any of the the teams that got in ahead of CSU. But he did call them head scratchers, quote unquote. You know, I think. Uh, Steve, you've been pretty vocal about the Mountain West damaging CSU's chances by forcing them to play four games in seven days down the stretch, including that road game at Nevada, which, uh, as luck would have it, they had a cancellation against San Jose State, which gave them five days to prepare for CSU. Obviously, that, as you mentioned, that came down to a, a three-pointer with one second left uh, with a guy, you know, desperation three, and that was the difference right there. But, uh, you know, you haven't you, you've written a blog about it, but would love you to chat about the inequities of that down the stretch scheduling with the Mountain West and how it could potentially have cost, you know, certainly three uh, 
bids, uh, one extra bid. So it would have been three in and potentially four, you know, I mean, Boise was right there too until this, this stretch and they didn't handle their reschedules very well either. Yeah. Well, Boise definitely got beat, uh, burned by the Fresno state loss at home. You know, Utah state almost lost at Fresno in the last game. They had the, they hit two threes in the last minute to beat Fresno by six. They were going to lose two. That could have knocked them out. Um, I am Adam. I was adamant about the silliness of scheduling those games. And it was obviously, well, I shouldn't say, obviously it looked like it was just for TV purposes and had nothing to do with, uh, consideration with tournament consideration um it turns out had csu not played that game the odds are they had a very good chance of still getting into the tournament what i found interesting was this week um and i i retweeted something that i saw it was something somebody wrote from the uh the american conference where the commissioner of the american conference mike oresco specifically decided to not reschedule games the following week specifically held off on rescheduling memphis for road games because Memphis was going to be right on the edge in terms of uh, in terms of the bubble, and he didn't want to put them into a situation where they had to play three games in five days. CSU got four games in six days with Craig Thompson. Um, Mike Oresco is a, a you know a far far more far more foresight than Craig Thompson showed in terms of that last week of scheduling. And even though Memphis get in didn't get in, they they are right they're basically right there with CSU. They were in the last. Uh, the last two or three, um, it was Louisville, CSU, and then Memphis was third. And if you've seen Memphis, they're, they're a very deserving team. They're a very, very good basketball team. They just had some problems earlier in the year. But they had a conference commissioner looking out for them at the end of the year. Uh, CSU did not have a uh, conference commissioner who was interested in serving the best purposes of the schools as they were trying to get into the NCAA. I truly believe that. I'll never let go of that thought. When's the last time we went to the tournament? 2013? Yep. So eight, eight years now, and we're close. Obviously, we've seen the progression here, and we're very close. What is the missing ingredient in your guys' minds that uh, this team needs next year to take it to that next level, to get in the tournament and, and, and compete well in the tournament? You know, that's such a, that's such a, a good question because I, that was, that's one of those things I would love to uh, talk to uh, Nico um, about after the season. Um, because, you know, there's, there's the evolutionary part. There's the getting a year older, a year of birthdays. This is a young team with everybody coming back. Um, and I, I think they, that alone will be enough to get them into, quote, the tournament. Uh, the issue becomes one of not getting into the tournament, but is, it's going to be winning when you get there. And does this team need more uh, than just kind of evolutionary, adding a couple of freshmen, Everybody getting you know five degree five pounds heavier, a little stronger, a little better shape, shoot two percentage points better from three. Um, if you think of the 2012-2013 difference, we got in in 2012, but that team was uh, barely got in on the skin of their teeth, and they they uh, they had holes. Um, and it wasn't they were 2013 they might have gone again and been you know would have been evolutionary they had a lot of guys coming back but ultimately the 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 revolutionary part or the big leap was made because they had two guys sitting out that year that were going to come in and play a lot right away one was colton iverson the second was danny uh, bayerano and that those two players being added 
to that core group of people is what took took them from a barely getting into a uh, a team that was seeded eighth that probably should have been seeded fifth or sixth and was very capable of going further than uh, within one round had they not played Louisville. That was a major leap. And I'm just, I, I don't know if what the plans are or if there's something that can happen to, to, to expedite that. Obviously, we don't have Colton practicing with the team this year or a player like Colton, but next year there are one year, you know, there are transfers that'll be eligible right away. And it'd be interesting to find out if we'd be interested in maybe picking up a, a high level graduate transfer senior experienced big conference player to come in and uh and and help and then uh that would be that would be the starting point i think to, to making that major leap so but i don't know i'd be questioned to answer, ask nico at the end of the season when they do their evaluations turning our attention now to the nit opening game friday night against buffalo steve you had some good comments in your blog about this um this is not i mean you would really hate to see this is not an easy matchup and you certainly wouldn't want to see CSU dump their opening game of the NIT and end the season this way. But uh, what can you tell us about the matchup? What do you expect in on Friday night? I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a fun game. Buffalo is very good. A lot of history. Um, tournament wins in the NCAA. They went to the tournament uh, four out of the last uh, six years. Um, coached by Bobby Hurley, who went to Arizona State. Coached by Nate Oates, who went to Alabama Oates won NCAA tournament games. They have more tournament NCAA tournament wins than CSU has in the last 20 years. So um, everybody says, ah, it's Buffalo. Um, no, they have a pretty, pretty rich recent history. Um, and now they're coached by uh, a guy, Jim Weitzel, who was uh, J.R. Blunt's um, head coach at Loyola 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Um, play a very different style than what J.R. was used to. Uh, they are very up tempo. They play very, very fast. They're not not necessarily tall, but they're athletic. Uh, they are fast. They run. They get up and down the court, and they hit the offensive glass like crazy. Um, they don't shoot a lot of threes. They got a couple guys that can shoot, but a lot of it is just going at the going at the rim. Um, and they will play fast. And I actually think that is, you know, one of the one of the tricky parts for CSU is in the Mountain West. A lot of teams play very slow, um, some of the slower tempo. Even San Diego State, everybody thinks they're a transition team. San Diego State plays in mud. They play really slow. Um, and it's always been hard for CSU. CSU's at their best when they're out in transition, when they get into games that are sped up. And I actually think the Buffalo style, if CSU can handle the, uh, the athleticism and the pounding of the glass, if they can do a good job of not fouling, if they can do a good job of rebounding, I think you're going to get a fantastic entertaining game where you could see some of these, some great runs of 10 point runs by either team up and down and, uh, and, and, and a game probably played in the eighties, which I think is going to be fun. To me, this, this reminds me of the Boise series um, and, and the way they played. I know coach Blunt uh, talked to us about that a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I think that, I think we're going to see a lot of that, a lot of running up and down the court and, it could be another 20-point win for the Rams. It could be another 10-point loss for the Rams. I think the biggest difference between this and, and 2015, though, is I don't think that Coach Medved has given up. Something changed with Coach Ustachie, and and we saw it. We saw it for the next four years. Um, I don't think we'll have that from this staff uh, tomorrow night. 
Yeah, I, I don't I agree with that entirely. You know, and if you think back to the 2015 game, it wasn't just the uh, the discouragement and the no desire to be there. J.J. Avila was still hurt in that game. He had hurt himself right before the Mountain West tournament and he, he tried to play and he was 50 percent. And we lost that game to South Dakota State. Um, we didn't play well at all, um, but they were a decent team. You get in the NIT. If you don't go at it 100 percent, these teams are good enough. They're going to they're going to take your lunch money at the end of the day. 2017, we did manage to scrape a win in the first uh, the first round of the NIT against uh, College of Charleston. Um, I <laughs> I would attribute that to Gian Clavel willing his way to a win. If I remember, he just went nonlinear for about a minute and totally blew the game wide open, and we ended up winning by about eight points or six points or something like that. But uh, but uh, that was a, that was a individual brilliance uh, from Clavel. Um, 15 obviously hurt. I think this year's team is going to be very, very, very different in terms of the way they approach the game. They compete hard every game they play. You can't look at a single game this season and say they didn't come out and play their best. Uh, they may have lost, but they, they competed at a high level for 40 minutes every game they played this year. And I would expect to see the same thing tomorrow night. Hey, one more quick question before we bring in Ali. What do you think happened to, down the stretch to the Lady Rams? I know they, too, had some inequities in their scheduling, and you've been vocal about that as well, Steve. But you can't lose the Air Force down the stretch there. Uh, then they had a tough assignment. Go, supposed to go play New Mexico in Vegas, and that got changed at the last minute to Albuquerque. They lost two games there to the regular season champ. And then first round of the conference tournament, lose to six-seed Boise State. So they just kind of hit a wall and didn't, didn't end well. Yeah, I, I real quickly. I mean, it, it's think about what happened to the men in terms of rescheduling and multiply it times ten. Because a month before, um, teams were allowed to opt out of games and they were declared no contests, even though schedules were stacked at the end of uh, January, early February. Uh, New Mexico and Boise State were supposed to play each other, and they both opted out, and neither team was forced to forfeit games. They just decided they weren't ready to play those games. They could have played them in uh, Texas. They could have played them in, uh, they actually had agreed to come play at maybe CSU or even Laramie. And then in the end, they just said, ah, we just don't, it's too much for our teams to play. And that was one of the things that had, uh, I, I think that's one of the reasons why New Mexico men opted out of, uh, opted out of playing San Diego State was because the women got away with it at New Mexico. And he thought, Paul Weir thought he'd get away with it. Those games got turned into forfeits for San Diego State. So there was a, a whole lot of inconsistency out of the uh, out of the Mountain West. The commissioner, uh, the, the conference, did CSU no favors, um, making them play four games in six days. That Air Force game that they lost was actually meaningless. It didn't matter if they won or lost it. They all they had to do was split with New Mexico, and they would have won the regular season conference championship. But that that aside, four games then, and then immediately got on an airplane, and then uh, get have to play a, a game in a tournament. So five games in nine days they would have had to play seven games in 11 days to win the Mountain West tournament. And that was the only way they were going to go to the NCAAs. Funny thing is New Mexico got screwed too at the end. New Mexico lost in the semifinals. That tournament was set up for teams four through seven who sat for a week. So uh, yeah. Mountain West screwed up big time. All right. Well, before we continue, let me tell you about a cool thing Mighty River Brewing Company is doing. They just released a new beer called Terry's Amber Ale. Kerry is a regular at the tap room and he is unfortunately battling stage four cancer. So Dan Miller uh, in the brewery are honoring him with this new beer. 
And for every pint and four pack of Terry's Amber Ale that they sell, they'll be donating a portion to cancer research. So that's my man, Dan Miller, doing some great things. Get out and support Terry and Mighty River Brewing Company. You'll love the tap room and the dozen plus amazing beers on tap. It's a great, great place. So let's take a break for a minute and we'll welcome in CSU assistant basketball coach, Ali Farokamanesh. We'll talk about the NCAA tournament heartbreak, preview the NIT, talk about his big moments in the NCAA tournament 10 years or so, or so ago, and much more. So hang with us. All right, welcome back to Ram Nation Radio. This segment is brought to you by Ginger and Baker, my favorite restaurant in all of Fort Collins. Stop in for craft cocktails, the best down-home food around, all in an inviting atmosphere. It's perfect for a date night. Steve knows this with his lovely wife, Robin. It's great for, for either dining or, or taking a cooking class in their world-class teaching kitchen. Also, uh, Easter is just a couple weeks away, so visit gingerandbaker.com. You can make your reservations for Easter brunch in the cafe on Easter Sunday, or you can order Easter dinner and go pick up on Saturday, April 3rd. Uh, you will love Ginger and Baker. Please support Ginger Graham in this great Fort Collins place. Uh, all right, let's welcome in our guest, CSU assistant basketball coach, Ali Farokmanesh, who is gracious enough to join us uh, out of his day in Dallas-Fort Worth. They've been on the road since last Tuesday, a uh, long time on the road away from home, away from family. Uh, but the Rams uh, are prepping for Friday night's opening round game uh, in the NIT against Buffalo. Uh, he's in his third year at CSU. Uh, was named a top 40 coach under 40 by ESPN last year. He was part of Nico Medved's staff at Drake in 2017 and 2018. Uh, followed Nico to Fort Collins, and he has spent time previously at Nebraska, serving most recently as the director of player relations and development there. Um, in college, after two years at junior college, he's had a story two, two seasons at University of Northern Iowa, in which he helped the team go 53 and 16 during two years in a Sweet 16 appearance in 2010. We are definitely going to talk to him about that. Uh, I'll never forget watching those moments live. Thank you so much, Ali, for uh, taking time to talk to us. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Is your family, uh, Mallory and kids, going to be able to come out and, and watch you? No, they're not. They, uh, they're, they're not coming to this one. If, if we win the first game, um, I think they're going to come out that next week because hopefully if we, if we win that first game, we'll be back here next Thursday. And then if we win that one, then we'll get to play Saturday, Sunday, no matter what. So um, we got to tell our guys that win this one, win the next one, and then, then my family will come support them. <laughs> All right, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I love following your wife on on Twitter. Uh, she's very active. She loves, loves the Rams. Uh, she's a great supporter. Obviously, I love that that clip you guys did together where you recreated the, the scene in the, the 2010 game against Kansas. We'll talk about that. But um, anyway, uh, talked a little bit off. I, I want to pipe in and say something nice about Mallory. You know, like I always talk about the, the family stuff with CSU. Uh, last year when I had my, uh, my hip replacement surgery and I was confined to the handicap section of Moby sitting and watching games, I was sitting there getting ready for a game to start start. And I got this nice little tap on my shoulder and it was Ali's wife, Mallory saying, Steve, how are you? Are you doing okay? <laughs> absolutely unnecessary and absolutely a beautiful act of kindness. And she's a wonderful person, but it was so typical of what, what I expected, what we see all the time around the CSU program. Um, Ali, you're lucky to have such a wonderful person in your life. Steve, I knew what I was doing. I married a nurse, you know, she's, she takes care of our whole family all the time. Like, but that's, no, that's, that's who she is. And, and she's got a saint. She's a saint. I mean, she's watches our three kids and half of me is in those kids. So she's even more of a saint. And, and I saw that you guys are expecting your fourth. So congratulations on that. That's exciting. 
Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> your, your, your tweet cracked me up. You said, yeah, I was home a lot in 2020. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be uh, honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so yeah, we asked you this a little bit off air, but uh, tell us what the, the team spirits are like right now. <clears throat> Clearly it was heartbreaking, not earning that at large bid of the tournament. Um, you could still hear it in coach Medved's voice four hours after the fact during a teleconference Sunday night. Um, you had guys like Adam Thistlewood and David Roddy on that teleconference that said all the right things about proving the, the committee wrong, people wrong. They want to finish the season strong, make, make waves in the NIT. Uh, but every year you, you see teams who say that, and then they just don't have that competitive edge. They still have that little bit of a letdown um, in, in the NIT. Uh, you can't really have that. You're not going to go very far, but um, tell us about the team's, uh, mentality right now, what you expect to see uh, in the opener? Yeah, it, just like just like what you said, it, it was hard right after it happened. Um, to be honest, and I think when you pour your heart and your soul and everything and the passion for what you do into it, it's it's gonna hurt if you don't if you don't reach that ultimate goal. And so we kind of talked about that at first, and we've talked about that throughout the season. We talked about that after the Nevada game um, that you know you pour everything into it, you, you risk getting hurt. And that's part of life. <laughs> and that's, and we told him too, that's not the last time that's going to happen. But um, if you want to ever accomplish something great or reach an ultimate goal like that, you, you have to pour everything you have into it as well. Um, that's the, that's the thin line between, between achievement and failure. But um, the, the best part we told them too, is you can't look at it as failure. You, it's, it's only failure if you don't approach the next step um, in the right manner. And so I think, it took us two days, but we, we've had the right manner um, with our approach to practice um, today and yesterday. Um, so I'm, I'm fully expecting them. They're past it now. Um, and we, we have a bunch of hoopers, to be honest, and they love to play basketball. And so any chance you just get to go play basketball, it, it, why not? You're trying to win. And, and we got a competitive group. So I don't think – I'm not too worried about that. I, I think they'll be ready to play. And, like, I don't know if we'll win or lose or not, but – I think we'll be ready to play and they'll come out with a competitive spirit. And that's all you can ask for. If they come out with those two things, then I'll be excited to watch these Rams play. And I think everyone else should be excited to watch them play on Friday night. What, what's it like as a coach? I mean, we, as fans, it's just stuff rips our heart out when we're watching the selection show and um, you, you're in it every day. You're immersed in it. It's your job. It's your profession. Um, it's your passion. And you're around the players that uh, you know, you're putting in the time, the players are putting in the, the blood, sweat and tears um, and for them not to see their name pop up, I'm sure it's magnified for you guys, but as a coach and you, you don't see the name pop up. What, what, what is that like? Uh, <laughs> Got to make me relive that. Um, it's, it's, it's difficult. Um, it's, it's really hard, especially when you work for something that hard. And, and to be honest, like you felt like you deserved it. Um, and, couple things didn't fall our way uh, two days before um, one specifically from someone close to us uh, but it, it was hard watching those games too and, and you kind of knew uh, we've been following it along the whole time so we we knew what needed to happen uh, for us to feel good about going into Sunday and it did not happen and so we had an idea that even though we had an idea that this was a possibility um, especially with Georgetown beating Creighton the way they did and then um, Colorado not showing up like they normally have been all season um kind of two historic things happened uh to knock us out of the tournament right there and it showed up on the seed lines too if those two two events don't happen we're in um so it, it that made it even harder to watch um but i think probably we all had the same same pain i think it i don't know if we, ours was worse than fans and whatnot but it, it was it, it was painful to watch that and 
and to see once you saw which once we saw Wichita State and Drake get in, and then you saw Syracuse get in, that was kind of that's when we knew it was over. Even though there was a whole other bracket left, that was kind of the you know there's still a chance. But that, when we saw those three specifically get in, that was kind of the it, it told us like the guys didn't know yet, but the coaching staff we all kind of as soon as we saw those three teams pop up specifically, it was like well. I don't like where this is heading right now. Funny you should mention that. Uh, we had a little talk about that before, Ali. And um, I, the first thing we talked about was when we saw Drake Wichita State show up, it was like, oh, not good. Yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, and then when Syracuse showed up, I, I happened to feel very strongly that the, about the least deserving team in the tournament is Syracuse this year. One quad one win, seven quad one losses. They never went on the road, for God's sake. Bayheim never plays anybody on the road other than conference games that he loses. And I have no idea how they got in this year. Yeah, it's it tough. And, and I think that's what – and it's, a good, it's another lesson. You know, you don't want to say this, but it's another lesson for these guys to learn, too, that – you know, if you want to never leave it in anybody else's hands, you want to make the tournament, you want to you want to win a championship. You can't. Yeah, I, I, I can't argue with you, Steve, on that. <laughs> um, but but you can't leave it in other people's hands and, and you got to take care of business the way that you need to. It's about winning games. And if if you go undefeated, I know they're going to have to let you in. So um, you got to do the best you can to put yourself in a position that nobody can take it away from you. Um, and that's you know, we we did enough to be considered. Um, but obviously we didn't do enough to, to reach the ultimate goal of, of getting in the tournament. And it's another lesson for these guys. I think that's the best part about this. You go from a 12-win team to a 20-win team that no one thought we were going to win 20 games the year before um, with a chance to play in a postseason tournament. And then you take this team. I don't think anybody thought really this was an NCAA tournament team just looking at us on paper. They thought – I think a lot of people thought we'd be good and kind of like this the sleeper team, the, the young up-and-coming team. Um, and then to be right there to compete for a championship uh, with one game, one game difference between winning a championship and not winning a championship. I think that's pretty, pretty historic. And considering also that we had to go on the road to San Diego, the top two top teams in the league, we played on the road twice. So we easily had the toughest schedule in the league. Um, and it's pretty, pretty amazing from this young group. And it, it's hard to take that step back and look at those things, especially when you're in the heat of the moment like this. Um, Cause you don't, you got to worry about complacency, but when you do that, it's, it's pretty remarkable where you're starting that young of a team with that, that amount of experience. And then that little experience, even off the bench too, we didn't have a bunch of just veteran dudes that were in there telling these guys what it's like to play against San Diego state on the road, what it's like to play in a game where you're competing for a championship. Um, those things you, you have to learn, you got to feel it yourself. And, um, I'm excited about that for the future that they, they've felt what it looks like they, now they know what it looks like in the mountain West tournament. Now they know what it looks like when you need to win on the road at Utah state, how to get that done. Um, those things you, you don't, you can't learn from somebody telling you, you have to experience it yourself. So as coaches, what, what do you do to, to get the players to turn the page? I mean, it helps you get a lot of guys with character. Um, you got the right kind of players that love the, the sport and want to go out and play. Uh, but, I can only imagine they're probably taking cues from you as the, the final name was, was put up on the board and, and CSU wasn't there and they're looking at their coaches. I mean, you guys, are you guys throwing stuff? Are you like keeping calm? And, and, and then how do you rebound and get these guys in the right mentality hours later? Yeah. In the actual room with everybody, I don't think we were throwing anything, but I think everyone with their separate rooms and uh, might've, might've looked like a rock rock party going on in some of our rooms. But um, <laughs> it was, it was one of those moments where you're just, you have to be honest with them too. Like 
you, you, you can't walk up there and be like, oh, guys, well, let's cheer up. Like, let's get ready to play the next game. Like, that doesn't work either. You, you got to be honest with them, too, and and understand, like, hey, like, I'm hurt, too. Like, that sucked. <laughs> um, and I think being honest with them about it, that made it feel more real. And, and to understand that, hey, it, it's okay to be hurt right now. It, it's, it's supposed to hurt, to be honest. And, and I think it allowed them to understand, like, hey, like, take a day and, you know, realize what you went through right now and yeah it's not fun um but now eventually you do have to move on from it because if you let that shortcoming take over the next step well that that's how you respond to everything in life then and i think that's that's where you can use basketball as a life lesson too that you know you sh you fall short from this but how do you bounce back to get the next goal because we still have chances to win games and win an nit championship and springboard into next season we still we're gonna turn everybody we could return everybody for the everybody on this roster plus the two freshmen coming in and whatever we do with our last scholarship we could have that same team for the next two seasons after this which i don't know if anybody else in the country can say that so in terms of building the future and what this thing can look like over the next two years at uh post this season i mean things are things are looking up and now each season is own but that was kind of the the message too like we're trying to go win an nit championship there's only after Thursday night and after this weekend, there will be 24 teams in the country still playing. I mean, that's pretty special right there. I don't think anybody was going to pick us to be one of those 24 teams going into this preseason. So in terms of that aspect of it, it's this is a special thing that we're, we're trying to go do right now. How many of these kids? I mean, you're you're young, too. Um, how? How, how strong a feeling do they have of a, a knowledge of the history of the NIT? I, when I grew up, the NIT was big time because the NCAA tournament didn't let that many teams in. And the NIT was uh, there. You had to win your conference championship. And there were plenty of second place teams in conference championships that would play in the NIT. And if you look at the list of uh, MVPs of the NIT, there's a laundry list of, uh, of NBA Hall of Famers sitting out there. Do these kids, do they feel that at all? I think we, I think we had to, we have to tell them those things too. You know, I think that's, it goes back to that, Steve. They don't, they don't real realize all those things. I don't think they really realized how hard it is to make the NCAA tournament too. I mean, we're a really, really good basketball team and we weren't selected to be in the tournament. And there's a lot of other teams that are here that we're going to play in, the, in this tournament that didn't get selected. And I think that it's, it's hard for them to just completely understand all that. And it goes back to like, I think you have to, we have, that's our job. We got to explain to them what this means and, and what the NIT can do for you going forward. And I think the one thing that, that I wish could happen this year with the NIT, um, probably the best thing about the NIT was playing in Madison Square Garden before. Like that was, that's, that's special. That, that's a really cool environment to be able to go do that in the final four. And obviously not being able to do that, that, that changes things a little bit, but for us too, we recruit Texas. Um, so there's, there's all these kids have families here. We got a lot of people that are coming to this game and, we haven't played in front of fans much this year. The two times we played in front of fans were on the road. You know, Nevada had 50 people in the stands. Um, we go to, we go obviously go to Utah State. They had 1,600, but really they had like 2,500. But, um, and then you go to Wyoming and there's 2,000 people in the, in the crowd too. So we've played all our games on the road with fans. And this will be the first time that I think there's, they're going to allow 2,500 people in there. So it's pretty special like to, to get to play in front of people. And Isaiah Stevens hasn't played in front of his family this whole season. So he's excited about that. And all these guys, there's probably eight of our guys have family or friends coming to this game. And um, that means something too. Anytime you get to play in front of your family and friends, that's, that's special. So especially, in the, especially during a pandemic when you've, you've been playing in front of empty crowds most of the, most of the year.
Hey, Mike, Mike's, uh, Mike's in the middle of teaching class right now. And he, uh, his, his students are there in a quiet writing session, but he, so he can't, he can't speak up and, and let on that he's doing a podcast during his class. But he asked me to ask this question, uh, which is a good one. Um, because you were part of a, a, a perfect, the perfect Cinderella story. You're the reason why everyone loves March Madness, the, the underdog going to the slay Goliath. Right. And, but we've seen in the NCAA, this trend where the mid majors, the, um, high majors, whatever, they're getting less and less opportunity. Uh, and instead you're seeing more of the power five schools get more of their, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth place teams in, um, this, this trend, you can't like this trend based on where you are now, where you've been in the past, um, as a coach, as someone who loves the sport, um, does it bother you that the NCAA is kind of going this way and, and not, you know, celebrating the, the schools like, uh, Nor Northern Iowa and CSU and the other mid majors that have done so well in the tournament in the past? Yeah, I think that's what makes the, the NCAA tournament great. Um, obviously it's, it's still a money thing for the NCAA. More people are going to tune in to watch Duke play than they are going to tune in to watch Northern Iowa play. Um, but it's, I, yeah, I guess the answer is yes. I, I wish there would be more more of an emphasis on mid-majors getting in, especially at those like 11 seed, 12 seed ranges where sometimes they go to like, well, yeah, for instance, this year, Michigan State and UCLA. Um, I think you want to see more of that. But at the same time, like it's not changing. Um, so you can't really, you can't really fight against it. It's a scheduling issue at the end of the day. Um, it's a lot harder for us. Michigan State and UCLA are not coming to play in Fort Collins anytime soon. Um, and the only way we're going to get those games is go on the road and beat them. Um, and so that's what you have to do. It's, it's a lot harder. Like for instance, we have to go, there's so many more opportunities for a Michigan state to win games and you have to go win them still. Like they still had to go beat Illinois, beat Ohio state, beat those. Those are quality teams that they have to beat. But like, for instance, like Syracuse, like Steve was saying, they go one for seven, they get eight chances. So apparently they only have to win one of those games. It's a lot easier to get quality wins in, in an environment like that, especially when you have them at home, quad one games don't exist for us at home. They just don't, unless we would have got San Diego state at home this year you have to win all your quad one games basically on the road. And we were lucky enough that we did do that this year. You go beat Utah State at Utah State and you go beat San Diego State at San Diego State. But that's what makes it hard for a mid-major is you have to win. You have, when you get those opportunities, you have to take advantage of them. Whereas the at the highest levels, you can lose 10 of them. But if you win four of them, all of a sudden it looks really good. And then after that, for us, it's – I mean, for us to go on the road, and you guys know that – to beat Wyoming twice in Wyoming, I don't care what their record is. That is hard to do. And that team, and they got better as the year went on this year, but that's hard to do. But if you lose those games, all of a sudden, like, you're out no matter what. And I, don't, I still don't know how many teams at the highest levels could go into Wyoming at 7,200 feet and, and win those games with a team that's playing well with a crowd for the first time too. Um, I mean, so that's, that's the other part of it is there's a lot more – landmines at this level then there are big mountains to put you on a pedestal well you you mentioned the importance of of doing well in the nit be great to to make it to the final four and and uh win the whole dang thing it would be a great stepping stone for next year so i guess turning the page on on what's happened and looking forward can you talk about this this initial matchup with buffalo it's it's no this is a it's a difficult matchup they're a good team um tell us what you guys are expecting 
yeah, it's it's going to be entertaining for sure. They they get up and down. Um, they are pushing in transition any chance they get. They're athletic. They're an attacking offense, um, and they're going to crash the glass like crazy. It's um it's Utah State with more athletes essentially. It's like a, it, honestly, it's a mixture between Utah State and San Jose State in terms of getting up and down and quick shots, and then they're crashing the glass. So it's really going to come down to can we keep them out of transition? Can we? keep them out of the paint in the first 15 seconds of the shot clock. And then once that ball hits the rim, we better have body on body and pursue the ball. And we better get work for some over the back calls. Cause if it's, if it's shoulder to shoulder with these guys, well, we're losing that battle most of the time. Um, so I, it's going to come, that's, that's what the game's going to come down to. If, I think if we can control the glass, they're going to get some offensive rebounds just cause that's what they do. But if we can control the glass and make it difficult for them on that end and make them play late in the shot clock, I, I like I like where we'll be. But that's that's easier said than done. They're pretty they're a pretty good team. Hey Ali, I, I we talked a, a little bit before you came on. Um, I actually think their style of play, if we do rebound, I think it plays very well into the fact that we are a very very good team when we play in transition. They like to get up and down the court. The Mountain West has a lot of teams that play really, really slow, and it is really hard to get out in transition. It looks like Buffalo, if you do it right, you can get out and run and maybe uh, take advantage of the strengths you guys have. Is that is that a fair statement to, to, to make? Yeah, absolutely. I think if, if we can, like you said, if we can, if we can control the, the offensive glass for them, um, hopefully that, that should be able to lead out to some kickout threes for us, and maybe we can get Adam and Kendall going a little bit more this game and um, I think we told our guys we, we still have to do what we do, but we got to be conscious of the shots we shoot too because they they really get up and down. They want that game to be a high-tempo pace, and, and we want to play fast, but there's times too where we're going to have to slow the pace down and, and run our offense too because they don't, they don't want to play that way, and they don't, they don't want to just guard in the half court. So the more we can – the more we can have that mixture of take advantage of the transition and also getting the fast break on our own, we'll be in, we'll be in a good spot. Looking at the, uh, you know, you've got Boise State also on uh, your side of the bracket. How important is it? I mean, you look at uh, San Diego State, Utah State, um, it, his, in recent history, the Mount West has not fared well in the postseason, uh, particularly in, in the NCAA tournament. But, you know, do you guys look at this as this is a, this is a pivotal year where you've got a lot of schools in the conference on the rise. I think this conference is is definitely hitting a resurgence and getting more towards uh, where it was in the early 2010s. Uh, but they've got to we've got to start doing our part in the tournaments, right? And and making some waves in the tournament so that next year and years beyond, you know, when when we're a candidate for an at large bid, you say, hey, yeah, this team this team plays ball in 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 uh, in tournament play, and maybe you get that that nod over over uh, Wichita State next time, you know? So do you look at this as in, in not just you guys, but the whole conference of this being a kind of a pivotal year in, in making some waves in tournament play? No, definitely. I think you look at our league, I thought our league probably deserved at, at least one more bid in the NCAA tournament this year. But um, you, you hope Utah State can win a game. If they beat Texas Tech, and then you hope that, um, like Steve said, we hope Syracuse loses, uh, but you hope San Diego State can get them. Um, and, and that puts them in a national spotlight. And anytime you can put your league in a national spotlight and on national TV, and that's why it's important for us too. I mean, we get to play on ESPN too. It's not like we're playing on the Ocho. We're, we're, we're playing on ESPN too. It's a national broadcast. Uh, people are going to be watching the game. Um, 
So it's it's a huge opportunity to to show what Colorado State's about. It's a huge opportunity for our guys to show what they're about, what they're made of, um, and springboard into next year. Just like you said, if Utah State wins, if we win, if Boise wins, it, the more programs that do well from our conference, it only benefits us. And I remember Jeff Linder was telling me that he's one of my good friends that he was hoping as many teams get in our league. And you know, there's a rivalry between us and us and them. But at the same time, the the profile of this league. Um, it only helps the more teams that are successful. It's just like, why is the West Coast Conference done better? Well, they can mention while, while they're in the recruiting process that Gonzaga's in our league. Oh, Gonzaga, you guys play Gonzaga every year? Well, well that means something. So the more we can be like, yeah, like Utah State and, and San Diego State and Boise State's in the, in the Final Four playing their own conference school, like that, that's amazing. Like that, that says something about your league and that, that only benefits the entire conference because at the end of the day, yeah, in conference, we don't want each other to, to win and we're, we want to beat each other up. But the more teams that are successful in the non-conference and we have a national brand as a conference, it, it helps everybody. Well, uh, this is kind of a, uh, a little bit of a touchy question, but I know everyone is focused on the task at hand, worrying about this, this game, worrying about this tournament. But you're all human uh, and you're aware of what's going on around the college basketball landscape. Um, with success comes opportunities and you, I'm sure, are not oblivious to the fact that Nico's name has been brought up as a candidate for other jobs, namely Minnesota, where he's from, uh, Utah, but his name will, will also be brought up other places, no doubt. Uprooting is a common thing. in not Iowa State anymore. <laughs> yeah, thank God, yeah. Uh, so, but, I mean, I, this is common, and you guys go through this all the time, but how much do you think about the what-ifs and, and you know, what if Nico is lured away? I mean, what you, you might be uprooted again. You might have an opportunity to continue coaching here or become a head coach somewhere, you know? So um, do you have conversations with Nico about level interest in jobs or do you just kind of stay in a silo and let things happen around you and not worry about that stuff? I think right now you just, I know probably people don't believe that, but you just worry about the task at hand and you, and you hear everything that's going on and whatnot. But I mean, it, it, when those things happen as well, it's usually because you're having success. And and that's the hardest thing. And, and when you're in this business, especially, anytime you're having success, your name is going to be thrown around everywhere. And that's kind of – I've been lucky enough that now, like, when we were at Drake, Nico's name was thrown around to, to a lot of places when we were at Drake. Um, then we're now at Colorado State. I, I don't think anyone was throwing our name around that first year. Um, but now you have a little success and, and your name gets put out there a little bit more. And I think that's just – that's the nature of the beast. And it's that, that double-edged sword. Everyone wants you to be successful, but whoa, okay, back it up. Maybe not too successful. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, we like where we're at. I like where we're going and shoot, we got a, we got a team that's coming back over the next two years that can be special. I mean, you got a first team all conference four man. You got, I mean, Isaiah probably, if Roddy's not first team all conference, Isaiah's first team all conference. So you got both of them right there. Adam's honorable mention. Then Kendall's been a three-year starter, probably with the most, overlooked three-year starter in this league um, in terms of what his importance is to this team. Um, and then you got James Moores, who just has gotten significantly better as the year has gone on. Um, and then you got John Tanjay, who if if he went in a little bit of a rut the last couple of games, but up until then, after that Wyoming series, he might be sixth man of the year. Um, so I, I like where we're, where we're going with the future and the recruits that we have coming in. Um, it's things are looking up and anytime that you're heading in that direction, people, people take notice. And, you know, it's with the Twitter world. Now I, I can put out any tweet I want and all of a sudden it becomes the, the biggest, the biggest headlines. And I don't have no, no, no sources or real information. 
when you look at, uh, you know, money's money though, and, and home is home. So that, that's a tough thing to compete with, but what is it about Fort Collins? I mean, that would make it attractive and make it a tough place to, for Nico to, to leave. Obviously the, the roster is a huge piece of that. I mean, you guys, as you mentioned, uh, have at least two years where you could have this entire roster back together again, plus the incoming pieces. Um, and then, you know, what about the, the university, the city, um, talk about what, what this place has to offer uh, in terms of, of why a coach would want to stay here. Yeah. I, well, I just bought a house, so I hope we're not moving anytime soon. Um, but, but uh, I mean, I mean, there's, there's, why, why are you guys here? It's the same reason. Like the, the location's amazing. I mean, was ho- with horse tooth right in the background, you got SS park is a 50 minute drive away. Um, in terms of just what's happening in this, in this Northern Colorado area, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I, I love old town. I love going to old town. I have people, I've never lived somewhere. I told my wife this the other day. I've never actually lived somewhere where people want to come visit me. I always had to go visit them when I was in Iowa. But now, like, I have people that constantly want to come visit us and come see us and go places and go do things with us. And that's special. Um, I, I love being where we are. And then, obviously, my wife's from Omaha. So it's an easy flight to, from Denver to there. We can drive it if we need to, too. But with three kids, you don't want to drive that too often. Um, and for all those reasons, and then where the university's at, I mean, Colorado State's a special place. I remember when we first got to campus and I didn't really know what to expect exactly. And then you drive around campus and it, it's a beautiful place. I mean, it's so well done, so well put together. And then on top of that, then at the end of the day, what it comes down to is the people. And there's a lot of great people in this community and, and everyone's so welcoming and inviting. It's it's that Midwestern type feel to it, but you're set in the mountains and you don't have to deal with the ice storms every two days um that, that makes it it makes it a special place and i mean for nico too i mean he's got a ton of memories here and i think that's what's that's what it comes down to too it's, it's a lot of nostalgia for him with being with coach miles and then um meeting his wife here and now they have they have a house well shoot they just built a house too so um it's it's a special place and there's a reason why all of us are here and there's a reason why you see us out in the community doing like enjoying life too we we we're fully embraced in this community and it's it's been fun like the last three years it's it's been a joy and it, it feels great to be a part of it now my son's going to school um out in timnith so it's it would be a very hard place to leave if that ever did happen is it it your your parents moved here too didn't they yeah so yeah so my parents are here we'll lose babysitting if we if we leave um but yeah my parents are here too so and my aunt actually lives in boulder so it's Colorado is, is a lot like it just moved here three years ago, but it really is like home for me in the sense of I have my own family here too. Um, so it's, it's more than just, I'm, I'm an assistant coach at Colorado state university. It's, it's a family, it's, it's a family deal now. sounds like if, if Nico ever does leave, uh, you might want to throw your hat in the ring to, to replace him. If that ever happened, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's going to anytime soon, but if that ever happened, yeah, I, I, I love being here. So. Good. That's not that's not up to me at the end of the day. Awesome. Well, and, and this is a this is a conference with a lot of good coaches, a lot of good basketball. Um, the guy, we might have two Patinos in this league pretty soon. <laughs> there was rumors <laughs> that Rick might be a candidate UNLV now. So um, anyway, um, so it, it wouldn't be March if we didn't bring up uh, your shining moments for Northern Iowa uh, in the 2010 NCAA tournament. Steve and, and Mike and I were talking about before you came on. You know, obviously everyone remembers the big shot against KU and, um, you know, you upsetting the top seeded 
Jayhawks and, and going to the Sweet 16. Um, but you also had a, a game-winning shot, three-pointer uh, in the first-round game against UNLV from the Mountain West. Um, so, I mean, just an incredible – I will never forget watching that game live um, in the, the KU game live, both games live. Um, and I was probably rooting against you uh, in that opener because I, I – root for Mount West teams, but certainly that, that shot against KU, <laughs> you came down and everyone's like, no, don't shoot there. And then yes, yes, yes. And, uh, and just the, the commentary uh, on CBS and uh, you being on the cover of sports illustrated, you probably told the story many times and, and uh, you certainly made us that, like we mentioned that awesome recreation of the shot last year on social media with uh, your family. But uh, tell us about how special being in those moments was, and then not just being in those moments, but ultimately being, the hero in both of those games yeah it's i mean it, it's it's one of those mo things you talk about opportunity and we had such a good team that year and everyone I, I, I people don't realize that but we had the we had the player of the year in our conference and probably actually the runner-up player of the year in our, in our conference on our on our team together um and then we had another starter who averaged double digit points and then i was the other starter that averaged double digit points so we had a full team it just so happened to be that the, the both opportunities to make those plays in the UNLV game and then in the Kansas game, I, I was left with those opportunities. And that's kind of how we played all season. And that's really what a team's about. It, it's that when you're when your opportunity calls, you have to be ready to, to make the play. And that's what we've been teaching our guys all year, that it's not necessarily going to be Isaiah and Roddy to make those plays at the end of the games. It's everybody better be ready. You never know when your name is going to be called. And um, my name got called twice just so I had to be called twice and in, 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 in on the weekend and um I made those plays to win them and that's what that's what I hope for for these guys that at some point that they get to feel those moments um because those are special um that's what every kid dreams about in the NCAA tournament and the NCAA tournament can change your life and I think that's what these kids it, it's the it's the one time that college basketball means a lot all season but that's the one time that everything stops for college basketball is these four weeks and from championship week on, it just grows and grows and grows. But from championship week on through, the, the world of sports stops. There's nothing else going on besides college basketball. You don't hear anything about the NBA anymore. Zion did this. No, nothing. It, it's college basketball. And that's what's, that's what's special about the March Madness. That's what's special about the tournament. Um, and you're going to hear new names right now. And that's what's fun about it, too. Some guy that you haven't heard of that's got another weird last name is going to step up and make a play. And that guy's going to be a March Madness hero. And, and that's what's fun about it. And that's what everyone looks forward to watching. And um, it's going to be harder watching it this year, I think, for me and this team. Um, but it, it draws you in. And, and that's what's special about March, especially in college basketball. Hey, Ali, I wanted to ask. I always ask guys who are great shooters this. Um, was there something about that arena in Oklahoma City that fit your eye because um, you shot lights out in both games is there uh, I remember talking to Dorian Green a few years ago after playing a game at UNC and he said it reminded him of an old high school gym and he just he couldn't miss that day it just brought him back to something was there something about that arena that that just jumped out that grabbed you that that where you shot so well or was it just one of those things uh no there wasn't really it wasn't anything with the arena because i mean it was a seventeen thousand seat arena so it wasn't we didn't we didn't play in any of those arenas in the valley um so it wasn't wasn't anything i was completely used to but um honestly it was more steve one of those things where it's like you guys just take advantage of your moment and i, I wanted to win those games and 
Coach Jacobson gave us so much confidence throughout the year that I never hesitated on a single shot my entire career because of that. And sometimes I took some pretty ill-advised ones too. But <laughs> it's it was one of those things that if you're a shooter, you you step up to shoot. And I was in those moments that I wanted to win those games so badly that it was just I, I was so locked into getting the job done against UNLV. And then the next night, well, you better be ready for the number one team in the country. Um, and was locked in and ready to go for that one. And, and, you know, you make that first shot, it feels good the rest of the time. And both those games, I made my first shot to start the game, and then it just felt good the rest of the way through. So the, the one against UNLV, I mean, if, you, if anybody goes back and watches the video, go to YouTube. Um, I, would it be safe to say the UNLV shot was a tougher shot than the, uh, than the Kansas shot since you're pretty wide open against Kansas? But you had a guy running out on you. You were pretty deep in that shot against UNLV. Um, when it left your hand, did you know it was in that UNLV shot? Yeah, when it, when I left my hand, I did. But no, but you're right. It was. I mean, that one was probably 26, 27 feet back. Um, and and that was actually like one that you had to make because there's about four seconds left in the entire game. Um, yeah, that one that one felt good as soon as it left my hands. But that was definitely a tougher one. I'm probably more proud of that shot than the than the Kansas one because that had a little more higher level of d degree of difficulty than the other one. Um, I was going to ask also, did when you were a kid growing up? So we talked. I remember we talked. I talked to Tanjay after the uh, after the San Diego State game when he made the the shot in the, out of the corner, and he talked about you know oh you live for those moments counting down three two one. Do you remember doing that for the first time uh, when you were playing in your driveway or in a gym? And who were you playing for? Who were you against? Did you ever do that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah. I think growing up with, with my parents who were coaches, too, like we uh, after every workout was over and whatnot, because they'd always rebound for me. It was always three, two, one. And I'd always pretend like I was shooting that last second shot or making those last second free throws. And um, yeah, it's it, no, you're 100 percent right. I remember thinking about I was Bryce Drew. Um, even guys that you guys probably have no idea about, but Washington State players when my parents used to coach, I'd dream about being some of those guys like Jan Michael Thomas. Um, I used to dream about being a Jason Capono at UCLA. Um, guys like that that I grew up watching when I was at Washington State. And yeah, my whole life was kind of just built around those type of moments and, and always, always thinking about that. And I still remember right before I went to the line, so we were up two against Kansas um, in, with like 12 seconds left. So I had to go to the free throw line to kind of end the game. Um, right before I stepped to the line, I kind of went back in my mind to those moments of being in Carver Hawkeye Arena at the University of Iowa with my parents. Um, and my mom would be like five seconds left, games on the line, chance to go to the Sweet 16, chance to go to the Final Four and whatnot, have to make both of these. And I remember replaying that in my mind right before I went to the line to actually go to the Sweet 16. Um, and you talk about coming full circle, but – I really believe in that. Like if, if you want to be great or you want to accomplish something great, you have to be completely prepared for that moment. Um, and, and when that time comes, you never know when it's going to happen. But when it comes, if you're not prepared for it, you have no chance. And I was lucky enough. I had two parents that prepared me my whole life for, to be in some, to be in those moments. And I think anybody saw me being in that moment <laughs> back then, but um, my parents always did. And so that's, I, I knew that I was already ready to make those plays when the, when the opportunity presented itself. How did that run? And then subsequent runs that Northern Iowa had a good history in the NCAA tournament. How does that change, not just the basketball program, but a university getting that kind of recognition and attention? 
yeah, I think Northern Iowa just used to be a, a location that was in the North part of Iowa, you know, and now it's, now it's the university of Northern Iowa, the Panthers. Um, people, people recognize that they think of you and I, it used to be, people would always say NIU. Well now, now people know it's you and I. Um, so I think that recognition, it, it means something you can walk around and somebody will, somebody will say like, Oh, Hey, go Panthers. When they see it, see a sweatshirt. Anytime somebody has a UNI shirt on, it doesn't happen a lot, but it actually happened in Fort Collins in the parking lot. Uh, the other day, a guy had a, UN, it's actually one of the guys, a custodial guy at, at, at Moby. Um, he, he actually went to Northern Iowa and he had a hat on and I went up to him and said hi and started talking to him for a little bit about Cedar Falls and everything. But it, that's what's, that's what makes sports, sports special, right? It brings a connection to people. It brings a connection back to that area. It brings a connection back to former players, to, to what Fort Collins is about, to Colorado, to the university. Um, it, it represents so much more than just a basketball team or just a shot that was made against Kansas. It, it brings everyone together. And that's why, that's why sports are special. That's why it, it is so much more to it than just for people that don't listen to sports or don't get into it like that I don't think they completely understand the connection that people have not just with sports but to the areas and to the university and to the people within the university and how it brings people together it's it's pretty special that's right on that's what we want here that's what we want here for CSU and and uh we've we've loved our few and far between appearances in the tournament in the past and uh can't wait for for some more of those in the coming years so Steve I don't know if you've got anything else but we've had Ali, longer than I had told him we would, but... Uh... One more thing. I'd love to spend more time with him talking about his parents and their influence in him and probably driving him into being a coach's kid, becoming a coach. I'm not surprised. Um, but you happened, your first coaching job, I believe, was as a graduate assistant at the University of Nebraska, right? Yep. Yep. And that was for someone we're all very familiar with, uh, Tim Miles. Um do you have a really good miles story you can share with us? Jeez, oh, I don't know if any of them are appropriate for for this, but uh, it was it was honestly it was so it was it was one of the best times of my life being with Miles and then going going with Nico from there. It's such a tight coaching tree, and it's amazing how everything comes full circle. And I'd always heard stories about Colorado State and how special it was, and you know how like oh man, like Fort Collins is amazing. I'm like, well, it's just a town in Colorado. Like, it can be really that great. Um, and, and then when you get there, you realize what everybody's talking about and you realize that how special this place is and you don't, you can't feel it until you experience it. And the same thing with our guys with basketball, but there was there, some great memories with miles too. And then it was interesting going through the whole process of leaving Nebraska to go with Nico to, um, to call to Drake at that time. But, um, no, miles, miles gave me my start in coaching and I owe a lot to him too. And, um, he'll forever be a mentor for me. And I know he's still a mentor for Nico too. I know people got a lot of fond memory. I, I'm sure you got a lot of stories of miles too. <laughs> that we've got, talked about I've, on air. I've got, one, I've got one. I will only share in confidence, uh, that I that will never make it out to the public. That is the funniest darn thing. And I'll tell you about it someday, but it is, it, I don't know if you've heard it, but, uh, if I tell it to you, you'll be rolling on the floor because he has the, <laughs> If you know him, you know he has the wickedest sense of humor going, and it is, it is the best one of the best practical jokes I've ever heard anybody play. Um, yep. And he did it through the media to somebody else. So, <laughs> no, Miles is fun. He's he's got a quick wit, and hopefully, I mean, he, he he got this team to the tournament, and I think that's that's where that's where we're headed now too. And we built it the same way that they built it back then. So I'm I'm excited for it. I'm excited for the future. I hope I hope everyone else is too, and they can see what this thing's going to turn into over the next two years. 
Well, uh, we should probably let you get back to it. What, what's on the agenda for the rest of uh, today and then uh, leading into tomorrow night's game? And Mike wanted me to ask you, um, you know, it looks like he's at recess now, but you guys have been on the road for about two weeks now. Um, how are you keeping normalcy for your, yourselves and your students and managing online learning and practices and eating healthy and all that? Yeah, it's, I mean, it, the online learning part of it's not that bad because they basically it's nothing's really changed because they've had been they've been online pretty much this whole time. So that, that aspect of it hasn't been too, too difficult for these guys. It's actually nice that when we get back, we'll have a little bit more in-person classes for them too, which I think that's, that, that will help them. I, I think they've, they've, they've been doing well with the online and, and it's been easier in some senses, but I think that more being able to work with the teachers one-on-one. Um, I think they miss that aspect of it, but in terms of the rest of the day, we've already we've already practiced today. Um, we've already watched film today. Um, we're pretty much we're on the downhill slope now. We had a 7 a.m. Um, COVID test this morning that we didn't get in last night until about 10:30 at night. So we had a we had a late night turnaround, quick morning. Most of us didn't go to bed until probably until 1 a.m. We're back up at six for um, COVID testing, and I think half the guy, pretty much everyone, everybody went back to sleep after the COVID test. But I think we'll have one more test tomorrow for COVID. And then if we pass all that, then everyone's good to go. And we'll be getting ready for, for that six o'clock uh, central time tip. Uh, Mike, you got anything else before you let Ali go? Yeah. Just wanted to say, hopefully this NIT run and uh, does for CSU what it did in 88 and 2011, because I know those runs turned into something uh, special the next two years, as far as the NCAA tournament was concerned. So good luck. Oh, thanks Mike. I, I think the guys are excited about it. That's what that's what we're telling them. Let's let's turn this into something special. You go you go win this event. It's not a lot of people that that end. There's only two teams in the country that end their end their seasons with wins that matter. Uh, CBI and CIT, man. But I mean, there's only two teams that that end their end their seasons with wins. And I've never I've never ended my season with the win. I've always been crying at the end of every season. So I'd like to like to end end my season with a smile this year. Well, good luck. I really appreciate you taking so much time with us, especially, you know, you guys are in the throes of it right now, but uh, it's been a great year regardless. And uh, it's been, it's gotten us through some rough months stick, stuck at home and uh, you gave, gave us a lot to cheer for. So we really appreciate you guys. No, thank yeah. you. Guys. Thank, thanks for everything you do for CSU too. It means a lot to us and our guy, our guys enjoy it. And, and I, I hope, I hope everyone out in Ram nation too understands how much time you guys put in for us. And hopefully we give you guys something to be proud of on Friday night. Yeah, thanks, Ollie. It's been a, a tremendous year till now, and I expect it to continue just because of I have complete faith in uh, what this team is capable of doing. They've delivered a given effort every game they've played up until now, and I don't expect anything different. And win or lose, um, they're a heck of a, have a heck of a great group of great group of kids, and uh, you guys have done a fantastic job. We appreciate you taking the time to spend with us talking about this stuff. It's uh, it's fun for us. So hopefully, it's fun for you too. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. All right, brother. Thanks. Take care. Thanks a lot. Good luck. See you, Ali. Good luck tomorrow. Thank you, guys. All right. That was awesome. Uh, really appreciate Ali's time. Thanks to everybody for listening. Steve, Mike, Mike, squeezing us into your recess schedule there. Really appreciate you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to all our sponsors. Good luck to the Rams on Friday night. <laughs>